welcome. Welcome to this gathering of God's people, whether you're in the room or online. And uh, for those in the room, I quote my friend Hank Neufeld, so nice to hear your smiling faces. <laughs> Can't see them, right? But he's uh, especially good at discerning people's voices and knowing who it is. It's good to get together and to encourage one another as we see that final day approaching. And in the spirit of the text we will be looking at today, I say, we are the sick sinners who need a doctor. And we are also the healed saints who testify to Christ's cure. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for gathering us together as your children. And thank you for giving us your son as a sacrifice for our sins as well as a, an example for our lives. And thank you that even though he had to leave this earth, he sent back his spirit so that we have you inside us, your mind, your heart, we pray that as we worship you this morning in spirit and in truth, that it will be a great family experience in your family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's sing unto the Lord. Let's call us each to worship 
with the words of Psalm 119. And what you'll see on the screen is your part as somewhat of an echo in each verse. So I'll read the first part of the verse and then you can complete it with the, the all capital print. So it's a prayer and a call to focus on God's word. Teach me, Lord, the way of your decrees. That, that I, I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding. So that, so that I, I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands. For, for there, there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes. And, and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve, Preserve my, my life according, according to, to your, your word. Fulfill your promise to your servant. So, so that, that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread. For, for your, your laws, laws are good. How I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, preserve my life.
Let's pray. Lord, we have much to be thankful for. You have given us many blessings. But we also confess that we have not made use of all your blessings, such as your precious word. We have not kept your law and obeyed it with all of our hearts. Or we have obeyed, but without delight, just out of duty. We also confess that we have turned our hearts toward selfish gain and our eyes toward worthless things. And we know that it is right for us to be disgraced when we do evil, but we fear this. We dread disgrace. We don't want to be ashamed. So we turn again towards your laws. We turn our hearts towards your precepts. And we say with the psalmist, how I long for your precepts. Because we know that when we follow them, when we follow you, then in your righteousness, you will preserve our lives. Thank you for that promise. And thank you for your gracious invitation for us to come and follow you. The invitation to come and be with you. Thank you. Amen. So this next song is in God's voice. Will you come and follow me, he says to us. by the name of Levi, sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. 
and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wineskins, and no other drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. Good morning. Uh, let's... Bow now to dismiss children to Children's Church. Our God, we pray for our little ones. We pray that they have a great time. In Children's Church, we pray it'll be a time where they learn new and exciting things. And we pray also for the teacher. We pray that you will be with them and give them the words to say. Now we pray you will also be with the service. Please bless it and have your words heard. Pray these things in your name. Amen. If you have your bulletins on you, I'd ask that you take them out now. There's a couple things that we want to uh, point out there. Uh, the first one, Tuesday, it's February 1st though, make sure to note that. Tuesday, February 1st uh, at 7.30 p.m. There's going to be a congregational meeting here at the church. Uh, so I would invite all of you to come out for that. Only members can vote, but everybody uh, is welcome to attend to uh, let your voice be heard. Uh, 7 p.m. this Wednesday, prayer meeting at the church, 7.30. Uh, youth will be at Dawson and Bethany's this week. Uh, and beyond that, if you skip down to the bottom, quilting at the Summerfeld Church on January 25th, 26th at 9 a.m. Uh, also on February 1st, there is going to be an EMC prayer meeting uh, on Zoom. You can register either on the website or by contacting the EMC office. Uh, if you are interested in doing the, the, the tubing hill on March 4th to 6th, I highly recommend it. It was a really good time when I did this pastime. Uh, but contact Emily Wright and she will get you hooked up for that. Also, when you walked in, you saw a rolling cart at the back that had some presents on it. That is where we are collecting baby shower gifts for Henry and Janae. Uh, we are going to be collecting for one more week, so that is the 30th of January. So uh, if you don't have anything for this week, uh, by next week, bring something along. I'm sure they could appreciate it. And also, I'm not going to say anything. I think I see them there. <laughs> ah! I'm so excited to see that little one. Uh, and then, if you're interested in joining small groups, uh, get in touch with Dakota Gunther. Also, if you are interested in baptism, come talk to me. Uh, I would love to have that conversation with you. Is there any other uh, announcements? All right.
So on to items of prayer. The first thing, John Ginter uh, passed away last week, as uh, you know, and we want to keep praying for him and his family. Uh, The next bit has to do with me. I have a cardiology test coming up on the last day of the month, so the 31st of January, and then the 17th of February is my follow-up with the doctor, so we get to see how things have gotten uh, over the last year. Uh, I probably won't be praying for myself on that one, so for my prayer, I would instead ask uh, Sabin Shannon, did you know that third trimester nausea is a thing? She is terribly sick right now, and so I would ask for prayer for her. It's very uncomfortable to be in your third trimester to begin with and then throw a nausea on top of that and a little girl that just wants mommy love all of the time. Pray for Shannon. Uh, Next, the EMC, Executive Director Tim Dick, is retiring this year. They have already put out a job description for his replacement, so pray that the right person becomes known. That'll lead the EMC into the next uh, era. And finally, uh, high school students, we're getting to the near the end of the semester now. There is exams, not this week, but I want to say the week after Yeah, the week after. So keep them in your prayers as they study, as they get themselves in the right head place to write those. Also pray for the teachers because exams always come with a fair chunk of work. And also this has just been a very weird year to begin with. And so with all of those things, let's go now into a time of prayer. God, we come before you this morning first and foremost in praise. Looking outside, we have prayed for precipitation a lot this past year, and over the last bit, we have definitely got a lot of precipitation. And so that we thank you for. We thank you for answering our prayers. God, we pray that when it comes time to melt, it'll melt in the right way, that it'll find its way into the ground, that it'll find its way into the reservoirs, it'll find its way to where it needs to be. But again, God, we just say thank you. And God, we also want to say thank you for the EMC. We want to say thank you for Tim Dick and all of the wonderful work that he has done over the years. And God, we pray that now as he is looking to retire, that his retirement will find him well. I know that it isn't going to find him the way that he had hoped, but God, I pray that you are with him. I pray that you bless him in that time, and I pray that he goes away knowing that he helped to build your kingdom. And I pray also that after he retires, he continues on in that as well. And Lord, I also want to pray for whoever will come next. God, I pray that you speak to the person that is interested. I pray you put that job description before them, and I pray that when they come, they run with it. Lord, that I put before you. And God, I also want to bring before you our high school students and teachers. Lord, first and foremost, I want to thank you for them. God, I want to thank you for all that they add. I want to thank you for all that they bring, not just to our church, but the community. God, I feel that not too often does that thanks ever get given to you because it is a wonderful thing. And so I want to say that first. And now as they go into this time of studying for what is to come for the exams that come next week, not the week coming but the week after, Lord, I pray that you bless them in their studies. God, I pray that 
whatever it is that needs to be placed so that they will laser focus, that they will buckle down, that they will get those answers in their minds. God, you do that. Lord, I also want to pray for the teachers as they may be putting on the last touches on those exams or just for all of the, all of the marking that is coming. God, I pray that you be with them through that. Lord, I also want to pray for Shannon. Again, I thank you so very much, and I praise your name so very much that this little one is on the way. But God, I pray also that you will bring some relief to her. To be so very uncomfortable and then to throw nausea on top of it, God, please relieve these symptoms. Please give her the strength she needs for this next month. And then please pray that the delivery goes as best as it can. And God, after all of these praises, I also want to bring to you the people that are on our hearts. We want to pray for John Ginter's family. It feels unfair how he was taken, that he was looking so well only to be rushed in. So God, we pray, be with his family. Give them the strength that they need to get through this time. Thank you that the funeral could happen, but as we go into this time of figuring out what life is now, Lord, we pray, be with them. God, all of these things we bring before you this morning. And Lord, we praise your name. Amen. All right. Today, as we continue on in our series about refocusing on Christ that we've been going through for two months now, uh, we come to a wonderful passage. Luke 5, 27 to 39, if you have your Bibles on you. Uh, it begins... After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. And follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up and he left everything and he followed him. Now as we start this one off, there's a couple things that we can note there. To start, Luke begins this passage by stating that Jesus went out and saw Levi and that is not how you word it if you just randomly stumble upon someone, if it's just a coincidental meeting. That's not how you're supposed to read this one. No, Jesus sought out Levi is how we're supposed to read that. Jesus had Levi in mind, and to him he went. And that, that should strike us as a very odd thing for Jesus to do. And I say that because of how Levi is described to us in this passage. There isn't much to go on in the book of Luke, but from what we are given, we know a few things about him. To begin, we can start with his name, Levi. We spent a fair chunk of time in the Old Testament back in the fall, enough to know that we've heard that name before. Levi was the name of one of the tribes of Israel. Levi was the name of one of the sons of the patriarch Jacob, who also was named Israel. And since in the first century, that was not really a time that was particularly well known for its cultural blending, when it came to names, this means that almost certainly Levi is Jewish himself, albeit 
very nominally Jewish. We'll get to why we say that in just a bit. Luke also tells us that Levi is a tax collector, which means that we actually know a fair amount about Levi's life and how he was regarded by others in his community at that time. Poorly. That's how he was regarded by others in his community at that time. Tax collectors, fairly or not, they had a real bad reputation in those days for taking more than they ought to, whether that's fair or not. But even more damning to them and their reputation was that in large part, the taxes that people like Levi would have collected that would have gone to the Romans and keeping their armies well-equipped. The same armies that were currently oppressing the Jewish people in Palestine. So to be a tax collector meant that apart from just being thought of as corrupt, which would have been bad enough, you were also thought of as in league with the enemy. Or absolutely, at the least, enabling them. And so from these two things, we know that Levi, first of all, is Jewish and also was regarded by those around him as somewhat of a traitor to his people. A reputation that, again, we're going to see that there is a strong chance that he might have leaned into it a little bit. This is who Jesus seeks out. This man, who was thought of as low, as a traitor by those around him. It is this man that Jesus approaches While he is on duty one day, it says, so you can picture that there is going to be a lot of people around him because these tax booths weren't just set up in back alleys somewhere. They were in high traffic areas. And to him, Jesus says, follow me. To which we read, this wrong sort of person that Levi was, Without even thinking about it, he gets up, leaves everything behind, and he follows our Lord. And the passage continues, with Levi absolutely excited, because he just wants to celebrate this decision he made. So he held a a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others, just says others, We're eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? I can do that better. Why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? There's condescension in that. And Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Wonderful. It's from this passage, this part of the passage, that we can tell that Jesus, uh, no, not Jesus, that Levi was nominally Jewish at best. Uh, That is if he wasn't purposely leaning on his bad reputation a little bit. And this is because then, the same as now, people like to share stories about the parties that they threw. They like to write them down and send them to all their friends as a kind of way of bragging about things. So a number of accounts would have been written down and passed down through the ages uh, about what parties look like from different groups of people. Enough accounts even that in many situations, you can actually get a not bad understanding 
of what group of people is throwing a party based on just a description of what that party looks like. That might sound like a weird thing, but at the same time, if I were to describe to you like what a five-year-old's birthday party is, if you were to tell that to somebody that lived overseas, they could probably say, no, that's a North American's five-year-old's birthday party because like, you're giving them all that chocolate and the parents are off in a different room hanging out while the kids are just going rambunctious. That's kind of a North American thing to do. You can do that with parties in the past as well. And that is where things get a little bit interesting for Jesus' newest disciple. Because from the description of the party that he throws, comparing that to other accounts we have, you don't really get a sense that Levi is Jewish. But instead, he is throwing a party like Greeks and Romans do. Both of those peoples were well known for throwing house parties with invited guests that have a single guest of honor where the good times just flow. Aristotle actually recounts a party like that that Socrates was at, and it sounds very similar to how Luke describes this party that Levi is throwing for Jesus. Similar enough that the point comes across that Levi is throwing the wrong kind of party here. Though he is Jewish, Levi is acting like an outsider. In short, exactly like the kind of person that the right kind of people, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, would not be caught dead around. Sentiment that would have been even more solidified looking at that guest list. Other tax collectors were among Levi's friends, we are told, and Again, the troublingly labeled others. If your kid came up to you and said he was at a party and he was like, oh, some of my friends were there and others as well, how would you take that? It's a description that doesn't do much to fill you with the kind of feeling that this was a party that was suitable for a holy man like Jesus Christ to find himself at. The kind of party that it was suitable for the Son of God to find himself at. It's not odd that these were the people in attendance, though. After all, Levi would have been all but cast away from the presence of the right kind of people when he chose to become a tax collector in the first place. And everyone needs friends. So that these were them, that makes sense. And so for these people to be the people that Levi wanted to share his great news with, that, that also makes sense. But for Jesus to be there, that is something that you wouldn't expect. And so, rightfully, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law we read, the Jewish leaders, they raise their eyebrows when they find that out. Jesus, a holy man who already has quite a following at this point in the Gospel of Luke, Partying with traitors to the Jewish people, partying with low lives, and quite simply, partying with the wrong sorts of people. Partying in the same way that the unclean outsiders do. In the leaders' minds hearing this, that's a scandal if there ever was one. A sentiment that I'm pretty sure we can understand even today. I mean, imagine Pope Francis finds himself at a nightclub filled with terrorists. How would that go over? It's that same kind of thing. And so they raise these concerns with the disciples and with Jesus. And Luke's 
wording here implies that they do it at some point after the party was done. And they ask, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and these sinners? Notice how in this exchange it is these leaders, not Jesus, who first slapped that label of sinners on Levi and his friends. Maybe a bit of resentment for not being invited to the cool kids party in the first place. I guess not. But it is to this rather pointed question that we get the most wonderful of responses. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. It is not, I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And try that one again. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Wonderful. In short, why was Jesus with Levi and his friends? Because they're the ones that need him. More than that even, because remember that Jesus sought out Levi in the first place. Why was Jesus with Levi and his friends, even though they were the wrong sorts of people, throwing the wrong sorts of parties? Because they were the people that Jesus was seeking out. Because of course he did. Like all things in life, the only way to make 100% sure that what you say matters for nothing is to only spend time around people who think like you and who talk like you to begin with. It's only when you are the voice saying something different than the crowd that people can hear you over the noise. Anything else is just an echo chamber of people prattling on in unison louder and louder, destined to have their words never heard by anybody that they could ever come close to impacting in the slightest. All the while feeling incredibly proud for yourself, being so very deep. Our Lord came to bring the good news of salvation. That a relationship with God is possible. That the forgiveness of sins is possible. That there is hope that things in this world can be turned around. That the kingdom of heaven is on its way. So tell me, how receptive to that message are people that are already 100% certain that they know all the answers when it comes to God in the first place going to be to that? No. It's for the people like Levi who that message lands with. It's for the people who are kicked down and then out. The people who are forced onto the bottom of all things. The people who find their voice taken from them and then are hated for living in that reality. It is with those people that this message of our Lord and Savior lands. It is for them that the medicine Jesus brings is most healing for it's them that have the deepest wounds to begin with. But to this answer of Jesus, the faith leaders accusing our Son of God, these right kind of people, they continue on in their criticisms of Jesus and how him and his disciples acted in the wrong kind of way by pointing out John's disciples. <laughs> Who has a sibling? Was ever like, oh, that sibling doesn't act like that. 
John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours, they're out eating and drinking. And Jesus answers, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and in those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins, and the wine will run, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins, and no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for they say the old is better. While first the Pharisees and the teachers of the law confront Jesus' choice to be at that party because he was with the wrong sorts of people, not getting the answer that they wanted from him, now they attack the conduct that they despise directly. This is not how good people act. Why can't you just be more like them? Jesus' ability to answer people attacking him on the spot, it is second to none. As you read through the book of Luke, you will see it time and time again. And here we get the distinct impression that our Lord has recently spent some time in Ecclesiastes 3. For in his response, we hear that same argument that you're going to find there. There is a time for everything. There is a time to be born. There is a time to die. There is a time to uproot and a time to sow. Relevant here, while yes, there is a time to spend in fasting with God, basking in his presence like our Lord did during the temptation that we explored a couple weeks back. There is also, and hallelujah to this, there is also a time to spend in celebration with our God as well rejoicing and partying and living it up for no other reason than you are in his presence, for no other reason than you have been chosen or you keep choosing to follow him. And maybe, just maybe, Levi choosing to dedicate his life to the Lord is one of those times that it is right to celebrate. Maybe, just maybe, that Jesus was there with them was reason enough to party like the Greeks of old, which we get that last parable of the wineskins, which given the context of the exchange means something like the following. And here I'm actually going to borrow from David Cruz, who put it far better than I found I could. Behavior should match the season like patches and wine should match fabric and wineskins. There is a new way of living that Jesus is introducing here which can't be fettered to the old way without doing damage to it. But it is better. Jesus is the new cloth. Jesus is the new wine. That is our passage today.
And I've always found it to be an interesting bit of scripture. For starters, because not many passages we talk about frequently in church deal with Jesus having a good time. And in seeing that, we also learn something important, something that is key to what it means to be Christian, but something that I fear we often forget. Or I suppose more some things, plural. Here are just two. First, nice and simple. From Jesus' response, we know that to be Christian means having Christ in your life. That's something worth celebrating. When someone comes to know and follow the Lord, that, that's a big deal. When someone gets baptized, that's a big deal. When we have communion, sharing together, food and drink, that's a big deal. When someone in their relationship with God finds themselves taken over by his glory in a new way that they didn't even know was possible before, that is something worth having a good time about. After all, this is why Levi is partying it up in the first place. He has come to follow God just as we have. And if we can't see how that is something worth celebrating, that, that reflects a problem on us more than on Levi. As Christians, we need to learn that the best way to spend time with our Lord is sometimes in celebration. And that's important to remember, especially these days. Oftentimes, we get in our mind that to be a good Christian is to be only like the disciples of John the Baptist, fasting perpetually and in prayerful meditation, somber, introspective, all the time. And there is a time for that. There is a time for that. Don't forget, as a Christian, the Holy Spirit is with you now. God is with you now. We can see Christ clear as day because he has risen. And so it's okay to lighten up a little bit. It's okay to have a good time. It's more than okay even. I think it's even important to do because when you don't take time to celebrate with our God, to celebrate what he has done, to celebrate whatever is going on with you in this wonderful world that he has made, that has a way of closing off what our faith actually is. It has a way of making it only into this sad and small part of our life and keeping us from seeing the bigger, more beautiful picture of what our God is up to in the world that he has made. And that, that isn't a deeper faith. It's a more narrow one in all of the worst ways. While I could keep going for a long time about the other things we can draw from this passage, the second point for time. This passage also tells us something important about what it means to reach out. It is the sick who need a doctor, not those who imagine themselves to be healthy. Well, they need a doctor too, but they need to catch the fact that they need to find themselves into the clinic. On top of this, remember that Christ sought out Levi. 
He did not just wait for someone else to happen by. There is intentionality in outreach. The church and the believers in it have to have an active eye on those around them, to the people around them, to those who need the good news that we know, regardless of their lot in life. And here's the kicker. That outreach, it can't be done at arm's length. Jesus and the disciples, they celebrate with Levi over this wonderful thing that happened in his life. They're at the party. They are there with them, intermingled with him and his friends. There's nothing arm's length between Jesus and Levi who he chose to ask to follow him. Jesus and his disciples are friends with these wrong sorts of people. Even though it causes them grief from the Pharisees and the rest of the leaders, they are friends. We know they're friends because Well, Levi invited people to the party. These are the people who need the medicine that Christ brings. We shouldn't forget that. And so we come to our assignment for this week. And it is, again, a two-parter. The first is simple. This week, I want you to all practice celebrating. Celebrate that God is in your life. Celebrate the things that he has done for you. Celebrate what you have seen him at busy in the world today. Celebrate the good things and the blessings that he has brought you, especially just now. When things look bleak and unfixable, now is the time to celebrate that our God is still with us. Now is the time to celebrate that he is going to be up to stuff. Because why have hope for the future? Why have hope for what our God is going to lead us to do next if we're not even able to celebrate what we know of him now? So celebrate that the new fabric has been made. Rejoice in the new garment for this is what Christ has brought to you to be absolutely excited to the core of your being about today. That's the thing I want you to do first. Simply take some time. Maybe make it a bit of a routine. I guess that kind of works against the celebrating side. But Celebrate that you know Jesus Christ. And here I recommend that you make a habit of it again. There's some way you can figure out that. In these dark days, even a little light shines an awful long way. So celebrate. Now here's the second part of the assignment. And this is a bit more of a long-term thing. Do you have friends like Levi anymore? Non-Christian friends, or outsider friends, or long-lapsed Christian friends. The wrong sorts of people, as the Pharisees would put it. I don't ask that condescendingly. Life flows, friend groups narrow. It just happens sometimes. 
but to only have friends who are other Christians like us, that has a way of getting us way too obsessed about parts of our faith that really are not that important in the grand scheme of things. It's the echo chamber in action. I think the more void of outside voices that our social circles have, the easier it is to unconsciously start thinking of us as in here and them out there. And then before you know it, you're just complaining about rights and that you're being persecuted over everything while everyone outside the church just looks at you wondering what in the world you're talking about. So if this is you, like it has been me many times over the years, I'll fully acknowledge that. I want you to work at getting some non-Christian friends, some outsider friends, some long-lapsed Christian friends, some friends like Levi, who are maybe the wrong kinds of people, but are also those who want to receive the medicine of Jesus the most. And I suggest that maybe you volunteer at a community organization. Maybe invite your neighbor over for coffee when the COVID cases come down, of course, when you feel safe. I want you to make for yourself the kind of friends that you are invited to celebrate with, like Christ does with Levi in our passage today. That is no small thing. As the church and McGregor tasked to purposefully and intentionally live life with those outside our doors as well, is something we are called to do. So that's my second assignment for you. Start doing just that. It will be good for you. In our passage today, we are met with a side of Christ that we don't see all that often. Jesus living it up. Jesus celebrating. So my brothers and sisters, I say this week, let's make a point to join in the fun. Amen. I was just thinking that maybe one way to celebrate this week would be to find some uh, music that you like, some style that gets you going also praises the Lord. That would be a good way to celebrate. And uh, this is a good song that we're going to sing now. Take my life and let it be a, a prayer of consecration. So uh, as you'll see on the screen, we're all going to sing verse 1 together. And then verse 2 is going to be just the men and boys. Verse 4, just the women and girls. And then we'll join together on verse 5.
And our benediction today comes from the book of Numbers. May God bless you and keep you. May he let his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his face and bring you peace. Go now and serve our God.